Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Friday morning, and actually got somebody um, who's sponsoring the um, Haftorah today, Rosh Hashem, as a good friend, the Pollocks from Columbus and Baltimore, and um, he's saying that it to, that this should be a zechus for all of our friends' children, I'm quoting, and all the children of Israel serving in the IDF. May Hashem protect them as they successfully complete their missions. Amen. <laughs> nothing, nothing to add to that. As we speak, there's fighting going on in Israel, even though it's Shabbos, obviously in the Gaza Strip. And in the north, and in the north. So, uh, like the Pollocks, I know people, they're in the service there right now, and everybody should have a safe time and a victorious time. Now, Torah today, of course, is the famous story of Elisha and the Shunammite woman. The two stories back to back. Whenever you do Elisha and Eliyahu, Elijah and Elisha, as they say, um, these are different than the other prophets because they're miracle workers. You know, if you think of the other Nevi'im, I've said this in the past. When we talk about the prophets, most of them are simply communicating messages from upstairs. That's pretty good, too. <laughs> you know, a person can say, I have a message from heaven. That doesn't mean they do. So a Navi, as you have dozens of them in the Tanakh, are messenger boys or messenger girls. They tell you, call Mar Hashem, and so on and so forth. And once in a while, you usually have a Navi interacting with a king or somebody Choshev or something like that. But then you have the Eliyahu and Elisha stories, in which many chapters in the Book of Kings digress to talk about them and not the kings. And there, they're all miracles, one after the other. And our Haftarah today is a classic example of that because, you know, he revives the dead. And that's pretty much of a miracle where I come from. So, I'm always uh, drawn, you know, the first story is about the woman with the cruise of oil. You know, she was poor, and she couldn't make it go, and she was the wife, according to the tradition of uh, Avadia, etc., etc. The second story is always the one, for some reason, always catches my attention, and that's the Shunammite woman, Right? Shunem is, is Afula, you know, right near Afula. So we all know where that is. Now, um, this is in the kingdom of the north. We have Elisha. And Elisha, remember, was promised to get double what Elio had. That's the famous story. So what's Totsukhtar? We have the story where it says that um, that Elisha would uh, go in a, in a certain circuit. There are places he hung around. That's just interesting. He's a Navi in the northern part of the kingdom. But at least for certain times, he hung around certain areas. And that included Shunem. Okay? Uh, that, that, that's, that's how it works. You know? Now, um, the thing is that, you know, they, they had a circuit of certain places and certain places they didn't go to. So, uh, this is a town that they passed through. And here's the point. What's it like to be a Navi? You have a tremendous hisbotedness, you get it? You have to be able to be meditating, thinking about God every second, sort of detaching yourself from the others, and 
you can be sure that a guy like Alicia, when he passed around, probably crowds surround him. That's what I think. And because uh, everybody comes with requests. With requests. Why do they go to a miracle worker? Nobody goes to the miracle worker and says, how are you feeling today? They say, fix me, I'm feeling bad. Or I have this problem in life. I don't have to worry about you. You're the miracle worker. So that's how this woman stood out differently. Okay? She does not ask for a child until Alicia calls her in and says, what can I do for you? Now, she probably was unique in that regard, and I'm sure that's what drew his attention. This is my personal opinion. That's what drew his attention. Because it says that by he... In Pasuket, Vahiyayom, a certain day happened. I never know why it says Vahiyayom. I've never seen good Mephoshim to explain that. But whatever. Uh, it said, Vayavra Elisha Shunim. He came to this town of Shunim. And Hayisha Gedola. There was this Isha Gedola. So what does that mean? Nobody knows. Some say she was rich. Some say she was Chashu. Some say she was pretty. You know, things like that. Big Yichus. Um... There's a tradition in Chazal that she's the sister of Abishag Shunamis. Doesn't make much sense. By that I mean Abishag was the concubine of uh, of King David or his his nurse. It's a machlokis, you know, uh, when David was old. So in other words, she was already a young person. Let's say she was. Uh, I'm just making this up. Let's say she was 16. I don't know. In the time when David was old, then you have 40 years of Shlomo, and then you have by the time you get to Elisha. You already went through a hundred years, at least. You know, Yoram ben Devot, and then the guys after him, and, and uh, Basha, and Achav. I mean, to be perfectly honest, Rum was there for 22. Between Yoram and Basha, you got about 45 years. So let's say she was 40. That's 85 years already. You see? Then you got Achav. It's another 60 years. It's close to 200 years. So she'd be kind of long in the tooth, you know? Um, that's the problem with that medrash. The reason they do it is because Chazal have a general policy. When you hear a strange name and you hear someone else in the Bible with a strange name called Shunam, Shunamite, Shunamis, then you say they're connected. But Pashim Shad is, there was a town called Shunam and there was a lady there and she was Chashib. And she prevailed on him to eat by her. I did last year that she held on to, but I'm going to leave that alone. I'm not going there this year. Uh, it's different. So she prevailed to eat by her, but he made the Avro Yosef And whenever he would pass through the town, he would eat by her. So this is already very interesting because why do you want, let me put it this way, do you want a big Godol, a Rebbe, and certainly a Navi to eat by you? Oh, it's very Chashav. Agreed? Who is this guy? I want you to know, you know, the, the Satan Rebbe ate by him. Woo! Right? That's how people talk. You know? The, the Panovich Ravik by him. I've met people, why not, who say, you know, my house in Europe, in Belgium, in Switzerland, this and the Panovich Rav used to eat by us. That's very chashiv. So, probably, a guy like Elisha, I mean, I'm sure, when he came to a place, people were flocking and say, eat by me. Now, first of all, you have a question of kashras. Now, second of all, you have a question of other things like, what the, did they have a TV in the house? You know, all kinds of things like that. And, for whatever reason, she prevailed on him, but toxic bummy she held on to him. So in other words, that means, let's let's say this year that we don't mean that literally. So let's say that she bugged him. 
So notice she was very persistent until he finally gave in. So he would eat by her shtendik on a regular basis. Whenever he passed through the area, he ate by her. This is already interesting because the Novi is not supposed to hang around people. Part of it is like you say before the Hisbotas. I think the Yalka Shemoni says something like this, if I remember correctly. And the Vim, you know, sort of so to be by themselves. Elisha is a strange guy, though. Why do I say that? Here's the funny part. Elisha was this Adam God of Kadosh, but his his uh, secretary, his his assistant was Gehazi, who was not an Adam Kadosh, as we all know. And the woman even says he's righteous. He doesn't, but you know, the Chazal say Isha blame over Eliyahu. You know, uh, Kadosh who? Kadosh who means who? Velomasharso. You you remember that? So you could already tell that you know Gehazi is not like him. I don't know the answer to this question, but why would a guy who's so holy and saintly and so on and so forth, like Elisha, you know, have somebody like Gehazi as his uh, personal assistant? We're not told. Uh, and you know, later on they had a falling out with the, the next chapter when he tries to take the money from that Syrian general, Naaman and so forth. But meanwhile, in this chapter, he's still there. And... The Chazal always dump on, on Gehazi. They should know. I mean, for whatever reason, they think he's a reprobate since he turned out to be one. So, like in this chapter where it says, take my stick and place it on the child. And the the, the Chazal say, well, he was saying, it's ridiculous. He's, he's going to take a stick and, and put it on a child and revive him? Isn't that silly? Until Elisha comes himself and does it personally. So, okay. So you have a, a, a servant who's a shtickle crooked. He's not really a believer. It's like some of these rabbis that have people that are very cynical, you know. Um, now you'll tell me, maybe you need a guy like that to run the practical side. I can't believe that. Why would you have a guy like Gekhazi as your uh, assistant? Uh, I don't know. Perhaps they were related. We, we don't know. All we know is that she persuaded him, prevailed upon him, to eat by her. Now here's the interesting thing. You can be sure... When Alicia comes to some place, people rush and they say, yes, I've got this ailment, I have this problem, I'm financially poor, i got this problem in life, can you fix the relations between me and my marriage? You know, whatever. All kinds of stuff like that. And he was certainly surrounded by people always asking for things. Now, it's understandable, but it does, and, and it's nice that they believe in him. On the other hand, it's very transactional. I'm going to this Navi to get something out of him. You understand? I mean, I'm going to this Navi because he's going to do something for me. It's a madrega because you understand that because he's such a Kaddish, therefore, you, you know, you do it. But how do we regard that in Judaism? You would go to a holy person and through that holy person, you know, you get your uh, your wish. It's a certain type of magic, if you think about it, right? Now, people do that with rabbis all the time. It's a certain type of magic. I can't do but through the kayach of my amuna, I guess. And I'm, I'm putting my amuna into this person, but it's amuna, you know, he's my intermediary between me and God. That must be the mentality of it, right? As you know, the Rambam doesn't approve of that. He says in the Anim Amas that you can't pray to anybody else except Hashem. Can't put your trust in anybody else except Hashem. In which case... 
You don't have to bother with an inter- intermediary. You daven for yourself. But you know, they say no atheist in a foxhole. If I had a kid now in the army fighting in Israel, I'd go to any rebel. Why not? You know, you do what you, you do what you need to do. Or if you have problems with Shaduchim, you go to whoever you think we can help. I, it's not philosophical, my monodian. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's for a discussion. But when we get Lamaisa, I got to get, you know, practical over here. And if this guy can get the job done, or this Nevio like Devorah can get the job done, I'm going to go to her. That is not who the Shunammite woman is. Because I'll say again, think about this. She was suffering in life. She was married and had no children. Especially if you say she's like old, like Avishagajanamas. I mean, she really was beyond sorrow. And she probably was in a lot of pain. And she's terrified of losing a child. Which says to me that she had gotten pregnant and had children, but lost them. Because she says in this Haftarah, I think you all know what I'm talking about. When he says, you'll have a child, she says, don't play with me, games. Right? I'll touch about or something. Don't play games with me. You know, I, I don't want to, if, 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 if you mean it for real and I have a child who will live, that's one thing. Otherwise not. And when the kid Taka dies, she says angrily, she says, I told you, don't do this to me. So that sounds like, as can happen, she had kids and they didn't make it. How, how uh, extensive was the child mortality once upon a time? Infant mortality. You know, who knows? I mean, according to the story, he got a sunstroke and he died from the sunstroke. It said the Shemesh came out. Something like this, right? Meaning it wasn't some a terrible plague. Children are, are, are sensitive. Children are potentially, uh, uh, what's the right word, delicate. Right? And uh, what's the language over here? He went out in the harvest season, meaning it's hot. And uh, and what do you call it? He says, Roshi, Roshi. So in other words, you could die from being exposed to the sun in the wrong way. Which is why in Israel, I, mean, I don't know how it is now, but you know, long ago, the parents used to say, wear a hat, bring a mamiya, drink a lot. You know, we've all heard that. So it's kind of funny that she would allow the only child to go out in a potentially dangerous situation, but that's what happened. And she says, "Why? Well, I told you, don't don't raise my hopes up if you're going to knock them down again. Which I can totally understand. I mean, no, she'd been through the emotional ringer. Have a child and lose it. And for all I know, multiple times. So, she doesn't ask Alicia for a baby. That's very important to know. And he must have known this. This is my opinion. Because why talk it that he stopped by her and not someone else? So you could say she bugged him. And it would sound right also about toxic bolechalochem. But I think also, if what I just said was true, I think he understood she's a, a person with a lot of anguish, emotional anguish, because she had a hard time in life. She was rich, but not kids. So it's an interesting situation. And she wasn't the type to blame others because it's just very interesting to me that the Pasuk says uh, there was Isha Gadola and the Uncleus 
or the Targum Yonason rather, says she was Dachlas Chitin. She was Yorechet. Yorechet is a high madrega. Look at the Mitzvah Sharm. That means you're afraid to do something that might lead to a sin. Right? You're afraid. And they talk to use the expression, I remember, to use the expression in the Mitzvah Sharm, you know, like a baby. The way you're afraid not to drop a baby, that's why you're afraid not to do a sin. You're not in fear, you know what I mean, of, of somebody, but out of a, a sense of delicacy. So she was a Isha Gadosh, she's a Yerushchei. And if she's a Yerushchei, then she's obviously blaming herself for her misfortunes, because that's what a Yerushchei is. You don't blame someone else. You're afraid of your sins. You ascribe all your misfortunes to your sins. That's the way a Jewish person is supposed to be. A lot of times they can make you, you know, in clinical depression. Apparently she wasn't that, but she's suffering. And she sees Alicia, and either out of a sense of delicacy, or out of a sense of she's been burned many times, she doesn't want to get burned again, or maybe for some other reason, she persuades him to eat by her on a regular basis when he passes through the neighborhood, but she never asks him for anything. Isn't that interesting? Think about this. Someone has an autumn gadol by the house. I mean, I've known such people. They say, can you give me a bracha? Can you take a photograph with my kids? I can put it up online. You know, things like that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying you want, you know, what's the right word? A transactional, you know. I give you something, I give you achnosis archa, which I'm happy to do. And you give me a stickle covet or something, or, or a bracha or something along those lines. That's what people do. If a person gets a, you know, if a rebbe stays by someone's house, the guy's obviously loaded, you know, he'll give him, you know, some special bracha. She doesn't ask for anything. Right? She doesn't ask for anything. She's a dachlas chetin. She's a yari chet. So she's doing it, as we would say today, lishma. Or else, possibly, because she, you know, has too much delicacy to ask him. She wants him to ask her. But I don't think so. She was afraid of being burned. She said, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't give me a kid and then and it should die. So, it sounds like she was just a real thing. Yerushchei means she made peace with her situation. She wasn't young. And she simply wants to do a, a, a mitzvah. And her mitzvah is to have this tzadikit by her. Vatomer el Isha, and she says to her husband, listen better, that you might say that, listen, if he eats by me, he eats in my dining room. I mean, that's very chashev. People come from all over town and stare. Let me put it this way. If you live in that little town of Shunem, and Elisha Hanavi passed through, and he stayed at someone's house. <laughs> Everybody in the town's coming to Google and Google, right? To Google, you want to see what he looks like, and look how chashuv she is, and she's serving him, and so on and so forth. And by the way, that is chashuv, right? That is chashuv. You know, I'm reminded of a story. I've ever told it. I'm trying to remember where I saw it. That. Um, Mm, Chaim Zonnefeld 
it's before the First World War, when the Petr Tikva, when the Yekis were start, from Frankfurt were starting like a uh, public school system from Haredi uh, school system. That's a separate story by itself. And he was on the Vada Chinuch, and it was Dr. Auerbach, who, uh, Rabbi Dr. Auerbach, you know, one of the Haredi Yekis, and he just got married. He moved to Palestine at that time with his young wife. German Jewish girl, you know. Haredi, Frankfurt type. And she, and they had all these Chasha Rabbanim, including Chaim Zunnefeld, visiting the house. Imagine what that was like. And in the middle of the meeting, the dinner, whatever, in the middle of the meeting, before dinner, the wife comes out. This young Yekasha girl, of course, with a tickle and everything like that, you know, Frankfurt, shake or whatever, and she says, "I have a Shiloh on the chicken." You know, what you're supposed to do? You know, it could happen. And Chaim Zonnefeld, as I remember the story, looked in. He says, "It's kosher." I want you to know, I have a policy, which is in the Shulchan Aruch, that I don't need any. There's such a hanhaga that I don't need any um, meat, the chicken, if there was a Shiloh on it, even though it's kosher. It's such an anaga. So therefore, I'm not going to eat by you. But he said, I don't want you to think that this means I don't trust the kashras here. It's the opposite. The fact that she came out and all of this showed me, I see she's a from girl, and I'm coming tomorrow night or next week or whatever to eat here publicly. You hear that? And he did. So the very fact you have somebody big like that eat your house is like really chashav. So you'd think that you want it in your dining room and you want all the windows open and the doors open and the whole neighbor should come and check it out. And she doesn't do that. She says to her husband, since we see over a later time that he comes to us regularly, I don't want to turn this into a circus. Let's give him his own little apartment and he'll eat there. She'll give him total privacy. And she's basically bringing the meals to, to his room. So she's not eating with him and nobody's watching and it's complete privacy. What does that mean? She's the real McCoy. She's not looking for the credit, but she's looking to do the mitzvah L'Shem Shemayim. She wants to do the mitzvah L'Shema. And he was impressed with that. And obviously, that showed him that she's a little different. And that's why he says, Azos, you know, you've gone through all this trouble. I see your real thing. Tell me what you need. And she does not say, I need a child. That's amazing. Right? She says, I'm fine. And as far as she's concerned, that'd be the end of the conversation. I just want to do this because I want to do it. That's a high madrega. Right? We have, in other words, it's like I built a little apartment in the back of my house. When Alicia comes, he stays there. Nobody can see it. It's not for the public to watch. And I myself very modestly bring him the food. Or I give it to a geichazi or something like that. That's probably what happened. He comes down and takes the food upstairs. So she doesn't even see the Navi. She just says like this. I want the mitzvah that I provide him. She didn't even say anything. It was geichazi who said she's childless. Right? And... He calls her and says, you'll have a baby, right? 
And she says, of course, famously, don't fool around with me. No, don't take it like, you know, some Reb or something like it's just giving a good wishes, which is also good. Don't, don't fool around with me, okay? Don't, don't, don't fool around with me. And what she really meant, as Rashi said, is if I have a child, this one should, should live. So if she was worried about the child, I mean, sorry, Maino didn't say, give me a child, the child should live. She never had a baby before. This one obviously did. And it suffered, as they say, infant mortality. And therefore, she says, Rashi says, ben kayoma. You know. Uh, and so the rest of the story we know. What do you see over here? This is called Hachnoza Zarchem Lishmo. You're not looking for credit. You're not looking for uh, prestige. Even though it's going to happen. Um, you're not looking for any, you know, for any of the stuff that goes along with there. Even though, I wouldn't say it's wrong. Why shouldn't the person be proud if a great tzaddik stays with them? But the real Ishma is you're not looking for anything for yourself. That's very rare. It's probably like never happens. And that's why, in my opinion, this is emphasized in the story in the Book of Malachim. Of course, the main part is he revives the dead. And that's a major miracle. I get that. But all the details that go in to try to explain her situation, I mean, why has he got to tell you all this? It isn't, I would say, to indicate an ideal. Now, an ideal is something you strive for you don't get. So she's one of the rare people that, you know, actually was like that. The child she had, who did tuck a die, and the child she had was revived. I mean, that was like a special reward, you know, for for her lishma. It's not simply that the Navi said, you know, Shazam, and he can do anything. She had to be somebody that's worth it. But you see from her conduct that she was the rare type that was worth it. That's what I think, anyway. Anyway, the hour's late, so let me once again thank the Pollock for sponsoring this, and I hope everybody will have a good Shabbos. Days are going to get short very soon here, and uh, hopefully we'll hear good news from Eretz Row. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.